Hello and welcome to the movie podcast spoiler-filled discussion of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. My name is Daniel. I am one of your hosts today and joining alongside me is a very excited panel to dive into everything Wakanda Forever and the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, we have Anthony. Hello, everyone. We have Shabazz. Bonjour, everybody. Oh, and making their debut on the movie podcast is someone who we've wanted to work with for such a long time. They are one of the busiest and the best in the biz. Please welcome Camille Salazar Hadaway. How are you, Camille? Hello, everyone. I felt like I should have said that in another language because, you know, <laughs> Shade just like threw in like bonjour. I'm like, oh, wow, fancy. Uh, I'm doing really well. I am so excited to be joining you three. I've just loved what the movie podcast has been doing, what you three have brought to it, and just seeing your growth over, you know, how long has it been? I feel like I've been watching you forever. This is how much you're a part of my life now. Damn, it's been oh, going into February. It's going to be four years. Wow. Which is wild. Yeah. It goes by very, very quickly. Time Congratulations really flies, eh? to you three for everything you've accomplished over four years. I'm just so happy to finally uh, be here sitting with you. Thank you. Thank you. No, we're, we're happy to have you. Uh, now, I want to I wanna just ask the, the, the group. I want to start with Anthony. How are you all doing today? How are you all feeling? It's Wakanda Forever opening weekend. Anthony, where are you at right now? I'm, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm living my life. Right <laughs> I haven't seen it yet again. So I watched it when we watched it three weeks ago. Um, but I haven't watched it again. I just want to kind of let the, the rush go through and let people like, the the general audience go and enjoy it and then i'll probably watch it sometime in the coming week again because yeah. i'm i'm i remember it i i see it in my head but i just need to kind of go back and focus on certain points that i've want to like remember more and specifically yeah underwater sequences with namor and stuff like that but like it's just been a crazy it's been a crazy week we've been busy with the show we had the menu review come out we had mythic quest we have interviews that are coming out next week so it's just been constantly working and editing and doing a bunch yeah of it's movie podcasts. it's been busy it's been yeah. it's been very busy for sure but i'm excited for us to be able to you know re-engage some of your memory from the larger film once we kind of dive into everything shay how are you doing doing great i mean uh you know we went to go watch it opening night again um and it's it's fresh in my mind uh my tears have dried up finally so i'm feeling a lot <laughs> better about it um, and I know we don't talk about the weather here, but I feel like it is appropriate to quickly discuss the pending snow that we're about to be dealing with here in Southern Ontario. Um, luckily right now it is kind of dry outside, but I have been seeing people's stories on Instagram of like just snowmen being built. And I'm like, what part of the town <laughs> are you living in? Like what's going on? Can yeah. You, you like dive person? into, I, I snowboard. So yeah, I, I love snow. Um, how, Ever being on the outskirts of Toronto, a little north of the city, every time I visit the city, I am a little bit sad when it's snowing because you deal with like the slush. The oh. ugliness of the snow is very apparent in the city just because of all the traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not as easy as like I could hop into my car, turn on the heat, turn on some Mariah, all I want for Christmas, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and then like drive to like a ski hill, right? Right. Yeah. It's a <laughs> right. I think Toronto is the only place where it actually just snows gray snow from the beginning. Like it yeah. comes down gray <laughs> and it just stays that way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. We have Mariah to get us through. Just just keep pumping that song out. 
It's true. <laughs> now, Camille, for for those of you, for those of us who are not as lucky uh, to know who you are, uh, please take the floor. Let the audience know who you are, how you're doing, and what you're all about. Oh wow, you're so nice. Lucky, um, <laughs> you're so nice. I am uh, Camille Selzer Hadaway, as the group uh, announced me. I am a host in gaming and esports. 2021 esports host of the year from the Canadian Video Games Awards. My background comes from very heavily covering video games media. Uh, that's kind of where I started out for blogs. And then from there, working with companies like Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo to host for them. Uh, I was on an esports and gaming show for four years. Um, and then since then, I've been working with Ubisoft as their host for season reveals for Rainbow Six Siege, uh, NASCAR for their eNASCAR uh, iRacing coca-cola series um as well as like a whole bunch of other things but at the heart of it uh i do love to geek out on a lot of things so if you catch up with me you probably will find a lot of uh, anime <laughs> memes as well as star trek and like obviously mcu i mean who's not a fan of the mcu so i just love having conversations with people about their theories whether it be games whether it be movies or fandom, any type of fandom, and just going from there. So that's kind of I love it. who I am in a nutshell. That's awesome. We're so excited to dive into everything Wakanda Forever today with you. So thank you again once for, for joining us. We're going to have a great time. Uh, but as always, you could catch a brand new episode of the movie podcast every single Monday. And watch out throughout the week for our reviews and interviews and all the latest movies and series. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd at the movie podcast and of course if you're watching this on youtube please like subscribe leave a comment below what you thought of the film uh and of course join our discord we're having some great conversations in there episodes of the movie podcast may end but the conversation doesn't have to stop shay you put out a question this week what was the question of the week that you uh, you dropped in our discord uh this one was about movie scores and i think it was kind of hitting me the most because of the fact that wakanda forever has a phenomenal score which i'm sure we're going to dive into in a bit um you know it's such a progression from the first movie so i wanted to see like i know daniel you and i and anthony we already like we listen to movie scores on our drives even camille do you ever listen to movie scores when you're just driving around or doing work at home um honestly i think i used to like i always used to be on rotten tomatoes like when movies would release coming close to opening weekend but i think through my work in gaming and how scores work in gaming i just stopped paying attention to that because i started to review myself and then it's a good gauge to see like where everyone's at but then just you get busy and caught up all in it so i i like to go in fresh without knowing any scores and then maybe after i'll pay attention so like for wakanda forever before watching it i like did not look up any scores i was listening to some like overarching reviews like mm -hmm. your your thoughts here actually on the movie podcast um but then i didn't want to get into scoring it because sometimes it's just kind of like it's supposed to set a tone but i feel like everyone could score differently and it's also like how you view the movie especially mm -hmm. when it comes to superhero movies i feel like everyone holds it up to a pedestal uh because there's a certain i guess pattern that superhero movies are supposed to go to and i feel like especially in the mcu right now we're going through this time where they're very explorative in the type of movies they're putting out they're exploring different genres so i don't want someone's score of what they think uh you know 
a Black Panther movie or an Avengers movie should be to mm. then dictate what I should think going into a movie, if that makes sense. Long-winded no, answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, totally makes sense. A lot of people kind of gave similar answers, like you know, like do they care about if if the movie gets a certain rating anywhere else? Would they still go watch it if their favorite actor is in it? So there's a lot of those things that kind of play into it. Uh, you know, as a bit of a treat for this week's question, I will be asking in terms of the music and the soundtrack in the movie, what do you think about that? Uh, and I'm curious what answers we're gonna get. Um, I personally, whenever I'm working at home, I'll throw on the entire soundtrack track of a movie whether it's the music from the movie that the artists have made or whether it's the composer so i'm excited to to get into that question this week um but daniel i know that you're you're a man of music you you love <laughs> how the, the music the, the soundtracks are for these movies do, do you listen to them i know that anthony are, do you listen to the, the the music from the movie after you're done why you ask me that man of course i do you know that <laughs> i know but i wanted i wanted to throw it out there i wanted to see yeah, no, for for sure. Like the score of 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 a, like the musical number of a the soundtrack, we'll say of a of a movie is is in, instrumental to to the success of that film for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Interstellar being one of them, um, I would say there hasn't been a bad musical score that I've listened to, other than like maybe music that was picked from different artists and built an, an album around. But a lot of times, like musical scores for movies are fantastic. And it just brings mm-hmm. you back to a memory of that film that, oh, especially for instance, Batman. Um, the, the Batman Begins, what was it Molasses? You play yeah. that while you're driving, you feel like you're in the Tumblr, right? <laughs> so it's just, it's just, it's, it's a memory that, it's an unlockable memory that you can always achieve when you're driving. Um, but yeah, yeah musical yeah. scores are huge. Sometimes they're, you know, La La Land, especially the yeah. opening sequence to La La Land where you're stuck in traffic. You would play that song, right? Like it's just, it just and then you just, just get out of your car and you start dancing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then people, As exactly. one does. You're causing yeah. more traffic. As one does, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Things like that. It's, that's why there's always traffic in Toronto, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's funny you said that there, there really aren't bad, you know, musical like elements to movies. It's just that sometimes can be forgettable ones, but there's usually ever never mm-hmm. bad ones. Uh, Camille, for yourself, do you ever find yourself just popping on your headphones, listening to the to the soundtrack of a film after it's complete or before it even comes out? Oh, all the time, all the time. Uh, I got a feeling after watching Guardians, I would yeah. I would wake up to that song just because it put <laughs> me in that mood. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like it brings back those memories of the films, the emotions that you want to feel. And, and music has just a great way to do that. And the pairing of the two, it just creates those visuals that makes you want to run back to the theater and watch the movie again. Definitely. So... Please, if you have an answer for this question, join our Discord. We'd love to have you. We love talking about movies and shows and, of course, gaming. We have our Wakanda Forever spoiler channel open now, too. So if you want to jump in there and we'll talk about the movie, we'll give our thoughts. And, of course, please listen to this episode to the very end so you could hear what we think of it and we'll keep the conversation going. Uh, and as, as always, if you like what we're doing here on the movie podcast, please drop us five stars on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, right into the show at hello at the moviepodcast.ca. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we want to you know we want to keep doing what we're doing we love doing this so uh thank you for supporting our show camille you have not given us your thoughts on black panther wakanda Mm -hmm. forever we were lucky enough to 
watch it and give our spoiler free review but please we'd love for you to kick us off with your spoiler filled you know just overarching thoughts on the film and then we're going to kind of open up the conversation from there and shay has some box office for us too which we'll talk about since those numbers are coming out but camille what did you think of black panther wakanda forever oh man like you just asking me that question, I start to get emotional again. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think it's it's a superhero movie. Actually, you know what? It's a movie like no other that really pays tribute to an individual in a way that I have never seen before that makes such an impact to the audience watching throughout the movie you know i think sometimes when we think of movies that are paying tribute to someone usually have that at the beginning or at the end most of the time but sitting through black panther wakanda forever throughout the movie as soon as the opening credits roll and you are met with the chaos that's happening with shuri trying to save her brother it's a completely uninterrupted shot, right? And it just makes it so that feeling that it is so raw, right? It, it's it took me back to obviously, you know, I wasn't caught up in that chaos, but as a fan, hearing and the confusion, hearing that Chadwick Bosman he he passed away, and everyone's trying to, you know, I was actually with a group of my friends, and we're just in shock in that moment, it brought back those feelings of just, I think what the world was feeling when they heard the news. So it, it mirrored that to then going into Shuri's journey of trying to figure out what to do. Right. Because when you look at it, the movie is yes, about losing the black Panther, but it's more about how you deal with grief. And it isn't till the very end that Shuri figures out how to deal with grief when she decides not to kill Namor, right? Right. But sitting in all those moments, even, oh my gosh, Angela Bassett <laughs> and her performance, like there's so many amazing performances in this film that is women-led, a woman-led cast, right? Um, by the way, that I think just... It's just a force to be reckoned with. I, when I think of this movie, I don't think superhero movie. I think of it as kind of therapy. If you've ever dealt with grief, if you've ever, you know, had these questions about why, you know, dealing with the why, but then understanding that, you know, life is the end of life is inevitable, right? We all will lose someone if we haven't already. And how are you going to deal with that is a better question. How are you going to live on and have their, legacy remember through the actions you take it, it made me cry <laughs> it made me laugh you know there were there was really clever writing mbaku was hilarious um toronto actor by the way uh so it's it's just like there there's so many great things uh in the film that i can't wait to dive more deeply into it with you but overall, it's just an amazing film, not a superhero film. It's an amazing film that I truly think the performances are Oscar worthy. I, I love, you know, I think the, one of the first things you mentioned in that, you know, was 
Shuri and Letitia Wright and dealing with the grief in this film. And this film wastes no time. Wakanda mm-hmm. Forever wastes no time putting you into that situation, right? Like we're starting on a black screen. We hear Shuri say like praying to boss, like saying like to protect her brother, to help her brother, to help her find what she needs. And then like, like you said, Camille, like it is a one shot. It's one take shot. Like there's no camera cuts where you're just feeling the stress of wanting to find, you know, wanting Shuri to find a way to save her brother. And I think going into this movie, we're all wondering, okay, how are they going to show, uh, you know, T'Challa passing. Like, how are we going to deal with that? How he passes isn't, I think, what's important. It's how we deal with it afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does such a good job of just putting you in that situation right away and making you feel that fear and grief and that that stress throughout. Because like, like you said, you know, I remember when we all found out about Chadwick's passing and we we're just trying to process that and figure it out and the beginning of this film really you know brought back that uh that panic and it's it was it's amazing to see throughout the course of this film we see grief being a huge uh component of the storytelling and shuri evolving from you know the comedic relief in the first film and in infinity war to now being you know that that you know carrying the baton of grief throughout this film like for the audience yeah uh can i just add to that i think there is there's so much power in this film in silence. Ryan Coogley really does uh, a, an amazing job in making us forget that we're watching an Avengers movie other than like the amazing suits and fight scenes. But, you know, like you said, then we went in trying to figure out how they will reconstruct the Black Panther, what happened with the death of the Chadwick and how they'll explain that and where the mantle of the Black Panther will go. We had all these questions in terms of what that meant for the MCU. Immediately, that opening scene, when you see the Marvel uh, credit roll and it's in just dead silence and it's just all these amazing, beautiful uh, images of Chadwick, all of that thought goes out the window you forget that you have those questions and then the silence throughout the film when it wants you to remember that why we're here why we are why black panther is so important to everyone and what chadwick brought to that character there is no music behind that i know we talked about music earlier but there is no music behind those moments and they just hit so much harder Everyone in the theater was crying. It was so emotional in those moments that, you know, at the end of it, when it came to the end of the movie, usually I'm sticking around for an end credit scene. And I was sticking around to dry my eyes because I couldn't stop crying. And I actually was met with no end credit scene and happy that they didn't do that. Um, As a fan that likes to theorize about what's next in the MCU. I love that. Anthony, jump on in. What was your, wh- how are you feeling after that opening sequence? And then I guess leading to the funeral and seeing the celebration of, of obviously of T'Challa's life and also Chadwick's life. What was your feelings coming out of that moment? It brought me back to the, literally the time we, we found out that he passed just the panic. I think when you, when you're in a situation where you're about to lose someone, you kind of you definitely go into like this panic mode. How do I save them? How do I bring them back? How do I, stop what's happening and, it, and that's kind of like where i was at where you know in the years um in the past years wherever whenever i was 
in a situation where people have passed, there's always this, how do I bring them back? And that was like the, the fear and the emotional exhaustion that you see in Shuri's face during that time and how Ryan Coogler really, again, all that handheld work focusing on her and like, it's just, just one take going around and around until you see um, Angela Bassett show up and say he's passed. There was a, there was a lot of talk for us going in, figuring out how are they going to, um, how are they going to address his death? And I think how Ryan did it, we all know how Chadwick passed. We all know that it was, this terrible disease that's killed him. Do we really have to stay on that forever? And I think a lot of people wanted to know, oh, why, why didn't they show him dying? Or why didn't they have like some sort of explanation of what killed him? We, we know how he passed. We don't, we need to figure out how we get pat. We kind of celebrate his death because that's the next step is celebrating what's happened with T'Challa and going on and getting over that grief of his passing. And I think that's what really kind of, you know, with African cultures, Kenya and Nigeria, Ghana, it's, it always is the death after is always a celebration because our time here on earth is always like that middle plane. Everything we, we go to is something much better. And I think that's what they really focus on, which was beautiful. And you see it and in, the first time I watched it, I thought it was kind of short. That's that that we'll say more the the funeral of T'Challa. But I think it, looking back at it, I think it, we didn't really need to linger too much on it. It's what comes next, and it was interesting to see Shuri, who's now she really focuses on the science, right? Like science is a big part of her life, and she's kind of like in this middle zone of. Do I believe that my brother's gone on to something more beautiful than what I've experienced? Or is he just dead? Is he gone? And there is that huge science versus religion or science versus the afterlife type of thing. And that was interesting because the mother was that presence of spirituality and everything that kind of goes after this very kind of Lion King. Like what you experience now is going to only be so much better once you've gone from this life. Um, and her dealing with that. And I think you see that throughout the whole movie where she's battling, like, am I going to be this spirituality of the Black Panther or am I going to still be this science, you know, because science doesn't know what's happened after the afterlife. That's one thing they cannot ever figure out. So it's like, how am I going to balance both? But um, yeah, his the passing of T'Challa or Chadwick Boseman, I think it was honoring Chadwick Boseman. I don't think for the family to really like, oh, he passed away of something else. Like the whole world knows because he's such right. a Right, or in actor. battle too was was another thing, right? Sorry? That people were like, oh, I wish we saw him like pass away in battle or something yeah. like that. No, but like, can't do that. there's also, you can't because there's like, there's something about, you know, passing away from something that you can't stop. Yeah. Right? And it, right? It, yeah. No, go ahead, Dan. I think it humanizes. No, it, yeah, it humanizes superheroes. Right. Like we mm -hmm. think they're so um, away from any they're able to protect everyone and everything around them is pretty much perfect besides, you know, secret invasion and all. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think what it really does is just show that, yeah, they could have illnesses. 
that are unexplained because we do look at them as superheroes. So we may not understand what it was that killed them. There may not be a fix, even with an advanced uh, country like Wakanda having everything at their disposal. But sometimes these things happen, right? They are also kind of uh, uh, can be a victim of the unexplained that otherness that we don't understand as, as humans, as people, right. That there are no answers for. Yeah. I I think, I think one of the, one of the most interesting things about, you know, how they did it with, with Chadwick and with, with the black Panther in this movie was they, they basically just said they're the same thing. They're the same Mm -hmm. person. You know, they separated that line of Chadwick Boseman, just being an actor playing the black Panther to no. Chadwick Boseman was the Black Panther and that's it. You know, you have now given us that complete circle. We've, we finished it. And the beauty behind it is it's now separated that line for anyone who wants to grow up to, to do good in this world. They can ask you that, Hey, it wasn't just Chadwick reading a script. That was Chadwick. That's who he was. He was that person. And to start off the movie that way, you know, it, it immediately just thrusts you into this emotional landscape that you weren't really expecting and making it that one shot that you mentioned, Camille is makes that it makes it that much more stressful because you know what's going to happen even though yeah. i know that chadwick's not making out, out of the scene i still kept just holding on to my armrest going maybe maybe there's a way that we can kind of get through this you know maybe there's a light at the end of this tunnel but the beauty of it is that it again like i said it it just it creates this one person it's no longer two separate entities we're now seeing chadwick and black panther as one person mm-hmm. it's interesting seeing the the course that this movie takes after this, because after, um, you know, we, after T'Challa's passing and we have the, the funeral celebration, we cut to a year later. And again, one of the many scenes where Angela Bassett is just making us just get blown away in our seats by her performance that, you know, when she is in front of like the UN talking and just like saying like she like we know like you know what we know what you're all saying about us in wakanda and just that performance intercuts with the sequence on that boat yeah and then you have you know ludwig's score coming in for the door melange and it's just it's one of those scenes that like i keep thinking about and that's one of the soundtrack the songs i keep listening to on the album too where just like when when you see like okoye coming out of that you know that like the vault, vault? i guess it's a vault yeah, yeah. And I was just like, just goosebumps. And then it just goes <laughs> You hear off, the chant then, of the, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. It's so, it's so badass. And then Angela Bassett, I mean, throughout this movie, we, we obviously we've spoken about her already, but what a performance throughout this film. She was mm-hmm. incredible in the first film, but she just, she commands the screen. Like she is incredible. Absolutely incredible. What I really liked about that sequence was it brought back, it matured Black Panther beyond just being Black Panther, it became like this political thriller in the Mm -hmm. sense that there is a lot of, these are the little stories that you need to build the MCU because politics is a huge part of it. World powers are a huge part of it. And uh, Queen Ramonda being her presence in that, I think it's the UN or wherever. And she's just telling the world where, how you feel about us. And then intersecting that with the French trying to steal uh, or infiltrate uh, the what's the vibranium vibranium yeah. depository. It's just, it's great. Cause you need those 
mature storylines to make this more realistic in the sense for the average audience. What is going to get, you know, the 50 year old who doesn't watch any Marvel stories to really kind of get into this Marvel universe? Oh, we're going to add like a born or political thriller, you know, uh, a story that they might have seen or watched in the 90s. We're going to intersect it with this Marvel universe, which works really well. And it reminded me of um, Winter Soldier, like, you know, like these, these yeah. little stories that work well in this universe. Winter Soldier is like my number one, uh, top three uh, MCU uh, movies. Absolutely. Fight me. Yeah. Fight me on it. Uh, <laughs> but it, Going in, we know what's coming ahead. Like, so this is my MCU nerd coming out. We know Secret Invasion is happening, right? This is now setting up for me as like looking to Wakanda Forever as like an MCU film, what that means for the future uh, after the tears of like watching it. This means to me, the US is becoming the main villain. There we have now, uh, we know the Thunderbolts are coming. We know that they've been leading these uh, attacks or trying to get vibranium as well. So they're not, they're not do looking so well as the heroes. It kind of takes me back to like civil war as well. And the questions around the superheroes and what they actually bring to these countries. And I think now the countries are like, okay, like it's time for us to rise back to power and and this, for the States, especially. So I think that's going to make a very interesting story for some of these characters we might've seen in Wakanda forever and who may be a scroll. That's all. Yeah, someone's a scroll no, in here. I feel like. Oh, I think it's Richard scrolls. Schiff. Yeah, I think Richard Schiff's character, who uh, again, shout out to Richard Schiff as Odin in uh, God of War Ragnarok, because he's so good in it. But he's a he's a new character that we're seeing introduced in this film. Um, I think he's the Secretary of State. So I, it looks like I, it. Right. Yeah. So like he he's there he's there in that room. He doesn't have a lot to do in this film, but he definitely feels like okay, you're going to be coming back later. Like oh, yeah. we're going to be we're going to be seeing Ford. you a lot. You know, and you know, and because we know Secret Invasion's coming, we know Armor Wars is coming, and a big part of this film is that you know Vibranium is you know it's unleashed on the world now. Like we know that it well, it's not the only place that it's it's not just in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. We know it's that there is another meteorite, and that's how Talukan has it. And I was getting vibes of you know even Iron Man two because Iron Man two deals with you know like this like the cats out of the bag like an iron man suit exists yeah now other countries are going to want to try and you know and replicate and do this and have their own and we have a great moment with julie Le- louise dreyfus's character a valentina allegra de fontaine who uh you know like Bless when you. martin when thank you <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know when um when ross when everett ross like tells her like yeah like you know could you ever could you imagine what the u.s would be like if they had the only vibranium in the world and she's like i dream of it yeah and i was like damn like you know because you know that's how each country would be if they had access to vibranium right so it was really cool seeing you know that political dynamic uh unfolding uh throughout this do we think she's a scroll ah man I wonder. Uh, I really wonder. Anyone is at this point. That's I what, know, that's, right? That's the Everyone's yeah. a scroll. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, do you think it's going to lead up to a, a situation where adamantium becomes, because adamantium is indestructible as well, because there's this yeah. whole thing of vibranium being this metal so precious, and then we lead to adamantium being designed, which then leads to the X-Men, and then leads to, you know, like... 
these men. I like it. I was growing up. I always knew adamantium to be the strongest. Vibranium was huge for the MCU because that's the metal that they can showcase in films. Adamantium right. wasn't because it was part of the X Men. So I'm just curious how that metal becomes. Uh, part of it. I know we're talking about metals, like we're just <laughs> scientists. Let me get my periodic <laughs> chart behind yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but th- that's a good point, though, because I mean, we've seen the fallout in a lot of MCU films and shows about recreating the Super Soldier serum, right? Like the Hulk's involved with that, Falcon and Winter Soldier dealt with that. Um, and you know what? Animantium could maybe be in the MCU, something that, you know, different. You know, labs were maybe trying to recreate vibranium, and they created that. I don't know. I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing ideas out. I don't know. Uh, hey, I'm, Kevin Feige, call pick me. them up. Pick up? up all these ideas. <laughs> but let's talk about it. The huge uh, cat is out of the bag. We knew it was coming. There's officially mutants in the MCU with Namor, the first mutant, a uh, Marvel mutant. This is insane. I love how they kind of went. Firstly. Oh my god! Amazing performance, but I love yeah. how they explain Namor's char- like character and how his origins work through the MCU. Um, being highly inspired by Mayan uh, lore, right? Or Mayan, sorry, uh, history, right? And then understanding that there is so much hate Namor has for the surface world that no love. No love, no more, no love. (laughs) But I mean, like, I could actually see him and I would love to see him maybe become one of the bigger villains in the MCU. I could totally see him alongside Kang. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, to to know, his his performance is is so heartbreaking because you have this anti-hero character who within the span of two and a half hours really has given us a complete arc. You know, he, mm-hmm. he brings it all. And, and the fact that this is one of his really his first films never really swam before. I would not have believed any of that after seeing this performance. I'm like, Oh, this guy's been in the biz for forever, but he embodied that character. And I'm so excited for us to just continue to see him down the road, whether, it comes into something Disney Plus because I know they've always talked about kind of expanding the world of Wakanda on Disney Plus. Like, do they incorporate it that way? How do we kind of get more of Namor? I, I, I don't know. I really want to see it. This movie really does, like uh, Daniel, as you mentioned, it's like it's like Iron Man two, right? Like, you people are learning from their mistakes. There's a direct correlation to the previous film. This movie really has that connection because. You know, Namor's character doesn't just kind of just show up out of the blue and be like, well, I'm pissed. It's a direct (laughs) connection of the first film, which makes that DNA seem so much more entangled than you expect it to. And to know, and his whole crew, like we had, you know, uh, Mabella and uh, Alex as well. Like, oh my God, they are so damn good in this movie and they're they're scary you 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 get this like uh are they from an avatar film like what's going on here they're so yeah. blue <laughs> why are they blue <laughs> oh my gosh and they did that so well where it's underwater yeah. they look completely normal and then when they're out of the water they're blue it, they oh and the designs of them i was just in so much awe uh for all of them like and it, they really because okay let's face it okay i am a huge comic book fan but Namor was kind of made into a joke, okay? Uh, kind of along the lines of Aquaman. It was kind of seen as, oh, just another, like, fish hero that, like, is underwater. But they made him so menacing. Like, just because he he borderlines this, like, 
friendliness, but then also telling you what's up and not afraid to stare you in the eye and say, I will kill you. But hey, let me show you my, let me show you my world. Let me show you my people. Let me see you the beauty of it. That is the scariest thing. It kind of gives me that Thanos vibe with that Thanos is kind. He was kind of right. Right. But then he just kind of took it too far. Right. So I could totally see. I, I think that's what makes these villains so interesting because they're they're not complete villains really namor's there to protect his people and he has been burned really horribly by the surface world yeah and and i think that's that's what's so interesting about him is that he is someone at like like you said camille and shay like he is someone at the very first and foremost he is all about protecting his people so he sees what t'challa and you know what they did in the first Black Panther film at the very end of opening up Wakanda to the worlds. By opening up Wakanda, you've also made Talukan vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And I love something that we spoke about in our in our spoiler free review is that Namor is such he is so methodical in what he's doing, and we see that in his um, in his you know little monologue at the end of the film where. Wakanda has a target on their back now. We know that the U.S. wants to invade Wakanda, and now Wakanda is going to look to Talukan where as an ally. So we're really leading to tensions rising across the world, and we're going to have these two superpowers with Wakanda and Talukan looking like they're going to be teaming up, and Talukan having the ultimate, you know, kind of higher ground on them. I'm just curious as we go down the road and of course, larger MCU things, you know, like where's Latveria in all of this? What's Dr. Doom up to? Like, I'm just curious. The Eternals. Big, the Eternals, you know, like where are all these other big players, you know, in the grand scheme of things now, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is really going to be interesting. And it's, it's really like, you don't think there's a lot of world building in this film because it very much is a film about grief, mm-hmm. but it's these little moments that I think that we could really, expand on these small little scenes to you know to really i think set up the next you know five six ten years of that, the mcu that that intro to no more you know that, that that sequence in the water that we've talked about in, in our in our original review is one of the scariest moments in, in a marvel film like it's it's haunting with the music and then all of a sudden you're seeing people jump off the boat without their oh own you know without without their own mind kind of at play here and the reason why this is all happening is because we're getting our are, are almost like our Civil War introduction to Spider-Man that we did. We're getting that to Riri Williams now. We're getting that to Ironheart. We're, we're jumping over to MIT to figure out what's happening. And I think, you know, I keep seeing this on Twitter and, 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 I, and I wonder how it's actually going to play out, if it even does. But mm-hmm. if we're looking at this movie one year later at MIT, is, is Zendaya there? Is MJ there? Is, is Nate? Is, 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 who's there right now? You know, or Ned. Are, Ned, sorry, Ned. I don't want to say yeah. Nate. Is Ned there? <laughs> Uh, Nate is just a friend of ours, probably. Yeah. Uh, Ned there. Nate's you Ned's know, cousin. Yes, 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 that's right. Um, so is, is Ned there? Or MJ there? What's going on? Like, is this world expanding even further? Are we going to see more repercussions? But, you know, that introduction to Riri was so cool because I, and I, I don't know too much about Ironheart, but that second, the, the vibe that I got was Peter Parker meets Tony Stark right away. And it, and it, and it yeah. totally blended in. Yeah. She's kind of like, uh, you know, well, in the comics, she's his protege, right? So uh, it's interesting how they brought her and like the first scene you see of her, she's swindling Laura, like not really swindling, but she's trying to get yeah. money from this guy for doing his homework. And like already in his, 
in his phone, unlocking his phone, trying to transfer her money. Um, I think that just shows also the dynamic of there's more throughout the film. We learned that something happened with her father, right? Which is yep. why she has this car that she doesn't like to touch. So I'm guessing her father might've passed away. Um, just as, as how she speaks about him. I don't know. I don't remember her revealing that, but I think, based on how she's talking about him, he's passed away. And she has, it seems like she's close to her mother because she's like, can I call my mother? Like, you know, can I at least call home? Right. So I think there's maybe a huge di- dynamic uh, between maybe her family life and where she is now. You know, a while ago we saw Tony actually introduce, I think how they're doing it is Tony. She was a part of that MIT grant that Tony Stark um, revealed that he was giving an Iron Man and she probably was one of the recipients. So maybe though, because I mean, if she is a scientist that the U S government hired to create a, or like stole her schematics to create uh, of her, this vibranium machine, I'm pretty sure Iron Man before he passed away knew of her if she was building cars or building machines at three years old. So there might've been a deeper relationship between her and Tony Stark that will give more background when her series comes out. And she even says like, Hey, I, you know, people have caught me on YouTube, you know, flying around in this thing. And that immediately took me back to when Peter was being caught on YouTube and that's how, you know, Tony kind of found him. So you're right, Camille, like he probably was on YouTube and was like, okay, I got these two people to worry about right now. I'm going to focus <laughs> on him. And then her right after. <laughs> actually, yeah. That'd that'd definitely. Be, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. If we find out like she was actually reached out to the same time Peter Parker was, but no one, we just didn't see that. Right. That's yeah, possible. And then also, it's probably, you know, Kamala Khan is probably the one on YouTube trying to find <laughs> uh, to find sightings of her, right? But it's, it's funny because, like, you see that her schematics are Stark Tech schematics, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how did she get those? Is that something that, you know, did, did Tony make this available for people to look at? Or, or is this something that was... Did her know? dad potentially work for Stark Industries. That's the other thing I'm thinking of because she doesn't go into detail about her dad. Like, I feel like if it was like someone disconnected, she would have just said, yeah, my dad passed away when I was younger or whatever. But it's kind of held to be a mystery when uh, at the end of the movie, Shuri puts the car back, finds all the pieces, puts the car back together and they have that quick exchange. And she's like, you know, it was my dad's before... And they just kind of stare at each other. So I felt like there was something a little more there that we'll probably learn in Ironheart as to who her father was. Maybe this is a character that we've seen in prior Iron Man movies that uh, we find out what happened to him afterwards. Uh, another thing, you know, so, you know, we get... Uh, at, at the very beginning of the film, we notice someone who is not at the child's funeral. It's Nakia, Lupita Nyong'o's character. Um, we get introduced to her later on into this film. She's in Haiti. She is there with the school. And of course, this is our spoiler-filled discussion, so we'll be so open. We don't know it at the time, but we are introduced to... Uh, a very young man who is there who you know greets queen ramondo when she's there and it's revealed in the mid credit scene that you know that is the child that uh nikia and t'challa had together um and it was such it was such a cool moment especially watching the film for the second time and then seeing him there and he's holding angela bassett's hand i'm like y'all know each other yeah. like you like you like you definitely like she's met him before and it just 
it was such a like a, a cool moment seeing it for the second time like damn like the legacy even though you know t'challa in this world has passed away but his legacy lives on with, with like through his son and obviously through his sister but it was just a cool thing to have introduced in this film yeah i i didn't even pick up on that until after i watched the movie and then like people were like screen grabbing that that scene when uh you know she's walking into the haitian school and then you see t'challa there junior t'challa junior there <laughs> t'challa junior yeah. that's what i'm gonna say but like that was so cool how they brought that in and yeah she did know right we learn from uh at the end that this was probably the thing that uh she was trying to tell uh, you know, uh, Shuri about uh, the secret or something about T'Challa. Remember, but she no, gets no cut off. Noir sh- shows up and he's badass, and we all forget about what that was. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Like usually in movies, I feel like I'm sitting down and I'm just like, wait, what happened there? Wait, we're missing this. But I was so caught up. Like the movie is just such a good job at engaging you that you completely forget for a second that she was actually going to tell Shuri something because this badass character shows up and is just killing it on screen. It's true. Now I want to, I want us now that we could talk spoiler free about this. I want us all to think about, you know, not again, what's something that you think this movie maybe could have done better at what's something that maybe didn't sit as well with us. But before we do that, I'm going to let us all think about it. I want to kick it to Shay. I want Shay to give us some box office information for this movie. Cause of course this is opening weekend. Uh, I want to hear how this film did Shay kick it off. And then while, while we're all kind of thinking about, you know, some things that this film maybe could have been a bit more clear about something that, you know, maybe didn't work as well as we wanted to work, but Shay, it's all yours. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, Marvel movies do really well at the box office. And what? November <laughs> November is an interesting month because we don't really get that many Marvel movies in November. I think the last biggest uh, November box office release was Catching Fire. And that was ages ago. So now we're wow. kind of getting, you know, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is the second biggest opening of 2022 at $180 million. Wow. Insane. Insane. That's wow. just that's just domestic because worldwide it did about three hundred and thirty. That's the uh, fourth best opening for a solo uh, MCU hero title movie. The fifteenth biggest opening. It's 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 number thirteen on the top fifteen. But uh, but you know more important that Ryan Kluger now has become the first black director with two films in the top fifteen biggest openings ever. You know he's the wow. first solo director with back to back openings of of one hundred eighty million dollars. Kluger's first four films are all certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, for the black community, for Ryan Coogler, for everybody out there, it's possible. And he's clearly shown it and he's paved the way. He has made one of the most personal and emotional, epic, scaled kind of films. And I know that he wasn't also a swimmer before he kind of got in this movie, but he learned how to swim just to kind of get into the scenes with the actors. Because, you know, some directors may just kind of sit on the wayside and be like, I'll get, I'll send my second unit guy to go into the water. But no, he hmm. really dove in, you know, no pun intended, into this role. And my God, it shows. He's he's a brilliant director. And I, I can't wait to see more from him, whether it's outside of the MCU or inside the MCU. I think what's so incredible about Ryan Coogler's body of work is that it always comes down to, I think, the people in his film. Right, you look at Fruitvale Station, you look at Creed, you look at Black Panther, you look at everything that he's been part of, and it comes down just to let's have great characters in this film, right? 
and you look at the cast of characters that was introduced in the Black Panther in 2018, and I remember the theater popping off in Infinity War and in Endgame when they returned because that's how much of a that's how much of a, a a mark they left on us. And then to have that cast now take over in Wakanda Forever, and as Camille said, you know, to have a black led female film. We don't see that ever, and to be do, to, to have it doing the numbers that it's doing is it's pretty incredible. I think the important thing that the first one did was you know it brought so many people out to come celebrate you know the first film, and I think one of the things that you kind of touched upon as well, both you and Camille, was that this was so female centric that the audience was forty five percent female that went to go watch this movie. That's huge. Damn. You don't yeah. really ever see that. So seeing that that is sorry, yeah, yeah, seeing that's what exactly happened. Proof, proof is right there. You just got to keep trying. Yeah. And, it, you know, with movies, there's this whole, uh, really, it's, it's just like people believe that women-led movies, people of color-led movies do not do well at the box office. Black Panther has proven twice now. That is a lie, as Maury <laughs> would say. Uh, but it's true. Like there, there's just so much that we could do, and even like uh, I was watching on TikTok. I mean, TikTok makes me laugh every single night. But there's these memes now of like what Black and Latin people coming out of these theaters are doing, and it is the symbols for both tribes, and it's create this whole culture around just cinema and with Black and Latin. A communities that cannot be untouched. Yeah, I love that. Now, before we got to the box office, I did pose a question to the group. Anthony, I'm going to get you to start us off. Is there something in Black Panther Wakanda Forever um, that didn't, you know, that you think could have been a bit more clear, but were better? Let's let's open it up. I'm going to get you to start us off. Um, I still don't have an answer for you, truthfully. It's, <laughs> it's, it's strange because the movie's I'm not saying it's the greatest movie of all time or the greatest script of all time, but I think everything that was what we saw in that film um, played a huge part in the future of Black Panther as well as the future of the MCU. So I can't say, you know, Everett and Val's sequences in that film don't need to be there. Sure, they don't, but it was nice to have because they build this huge, larger environment, especially where they're going with Secret Wars. And putting um, putting Val in this figurehead of is she a villain? Is she not a villain? What's her actual um, motive in all this? The Namor sequences underwater were beautiful, but there could have been I don't know. Maybe it could have been grander. I don't know. I expected. I guess I expected that world to be much larger than it was. Maybe I didn't. I didn't feel it. But again, that I think they're holding back they're for holding sure. Back I think they're definitely sure. holding back on the larger Tolokan worlds. The idea of of Tolokan invading Wakanda also didn't feel as big as it I made it might have read in the comics. But then again, that's that was just a message. It wasn't this you know overtaking. I'm going to invade your country. It was I'm going to send a couple of missiles to your country as a sign of right. Don't don't mess with us. Um, but like everything that we accomplished or what we saw or what Ryan accomplished in this film, I think it was all on point. There are a bit of CG mishaps here and there, but it's a long film. You feel it at certain points, but 
I think the overall feeling, because this is a tribute, this is also introducing new characters as well as progressing a character who we now know is we have a new Black Panther, which is Shuri, and we also have a future Black Panther, which is Prince T'Challa. You know, there's a lot at stake here. And there was also a lot of, it was five years, six years before the last one. So, and five years have already passed. Remember, Endgame, five years have passed. So it was really 10 years, essentially. Of, of <laughs> it's been a long time. This, yeah, it's been a long time world. since we've we've been back with these characters. So yeah, it's long, but I think it's well worth it. I think Ryan Coogler did a fantastic job of creating this MCU world that we kind of got lost in, in in the past couple of weeks. I think it's just fantastic. I love it, Camille. Jump on in. What uh, what? Where's your head right now, uh, Anthony? You like make so many good points. You know, when I think of. Namor and his people, um, you know, but with the Black Panther comics, like that, they're huge, like conflicts. Uh, it's like huge arc um, in the comics for them. I think I was expecting something bigger, but I think they're holding back for sure because we will get more. Um, and when we saw them, I feel like those moments just hit really hard and, and like made me want to know more. So I think that feeling of just wanting more is just the fact that they did it so well. And I, I want to see more of it. Uh, the CGI, I feel like those, there were a little bit of mishaps here, there. Like, so for uh, Riri's final suit, I wasn't too much of a fan of that design. It kind of just... It's very Gundam looking. Yeah, it was It was kind of yeah. Gundam. Or even if you've seen any of like the... Anim- uh, I can't even remember the name of the show, but it's like one of the Avengers shows for like young, young kids. Um, it kind of reminded me of the costumes there or some of the toy designs there. So I wasn't too much a fan of that. I liked Riri's like kind of makeshift... Uh, the, the exoskeleton yeah, look? Because it yeah. reminded me of like Iron Man's first suit, right? So mm-hmm. I, I prefer something that looked a little bit like that you know when um when shuri is underwater and in that breathing apparatus thing i thought that could have done a little bit of more cg work the one that really stood out for me was okoye's midnight angel suit um i was not a fan of that suit however if you do look in the comics at midnight angels it is very heavily inspired of how the midnight angels look in the comics um which by the way again i think they're setting up because I kind of just wanted to see Okoye in the Dora Milaje, like her outfit throughout the film. She's just so badass. Right. However, Okoye does join the Midnight Angels, and that does lead to the Midnight Angels coming together for a conflict with Doctor Doom, right? So this is maybe just what they're setting up. I would just love a redesign of what that suit looks like, um, because... She's she's just awesome. I don't want to see her like masked up and wearing like just all covered. She's just so powerful um, when she fights with her expressions that it's just so clear. So good to see that. But other than that, like I feel like when you're sitting down, you're you're getting ready to watch this movie. You cannot go into this movie expecting you're going to get like just all fight scenes Uh, because when you step back and look at it, there there are good fight scenes. Um, there's good action happening, but it's not like a winter soldier type where every other scene is a fight scene. There's a car chase. It is not going to be that. This is a, this is setting you on an emotional journey. It's going to make you laugh, 
cry, chuckle, you know, you're going to feel everything that Ryan is trying to make you feel. And he hits on those moments so perfectly that by the time you walk out of the theater, you are going to feel so good of that you watch that movie that you were able to sit there and experience it with other people. Uh, because it, 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 you know, for me, when I watched the first black Panther movie, when you left the theater opening weekend, there was this feeling of, we just experienced something historic um, in the world. And I feel like when I left the theater again, this time, it's like, we just experienced something that probably will never be able to be done this well in cinema ever again. Right. Shay, jump on in. You know, a, a lot of the, the criticisms that you guys are bringing up are pretty much kind of where I'm at as well. You know, initially when we watched the film, I was like, okay, uh, it was a little long, a little slow at some points. And, you know, on the second rewatch, I got it. I get it. I understand why they needed to go down that way. I think for me, really, it is just those CG moments, especially Midnight Angels and, you know, Riri Williams's Ironheart costume. I love the first one, like you mentioned, Camille, because not only did it feel like, Iron Man's first suit, but it kind of gave me this like Sigourney Weaver and Aliens kind of vibe, like in her giant mech suit. Um, and then I, I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon man here, where I miss the days of of mechanical masks and costumes or physical masks. I feel like now with nanotechnology, it, it, the actor's really not wearing a mask, so it just goes <laughs> and just kind of goes away off their face. But I, I miss when Iron Man's mask would open up all the way and like it would like collapse upon itself because it kind of gave you that that tactile feel that I feel like the Midnight Angels mask, it looks like it had it, but then it would just evaporate away from their face after a bit. So I'm like, oh, okay. I think those small touches to add that into the CG allow it to not feel like such a CG heavy costume. So I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to that. I feel like now that nanotechnology is kind of out there in the MCU, they're they're totally cool with having absolutely no physical costume, just some tiny thing on them, and immediately it, it provides them that. But I think that was really it for me. It was it, it was it was minor CG moments here and there, uh, some character designs, but. It is what it is. I mean, they're they're pumping out all these movies and TV shows at the same time, so kind of kind of cut slack somewhere. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, with the CG, yeah, there, there are definitely some moments that stood out. But I think overall, when we look at, you know, the, the grand phase four of this MCU, I think this film was the most consistent mm -hmm. throughout where there wasn't where in previous films were like, oh, that looks doesn't look too hot or that doesn't look too great. Where this this movie, I think, because so much of it looks like it was shot in practical locations, um, you are you feel like this is a real world that you're in um i think you know all of you i think i agree with everything that you've said i i do wish that we got to see more of talukan and you know learn more about nomura and atuma who were great and you know i'm so glad we got to talk to them but i i really hope in future films and a series or wherever they go we learn more about these characters because like you know like we were saying ryan coogler does such an incredible job of creating these worlds that you want to learn more about all the characters. And I'm hoping in a future Wakanda series, we learn all about the different tribes. I want to learn about the border tribe and the river tribe. Like there are so many cool factions within Wakanda itself. And I'm hoping with, uh, with whatever happens in the future with Namor and Talukan, we also get that Anthony. Yeah. I just want to say that how they really did the, the whole story with Namor and him coming from, we'll say a, a the Mayan or a Latino based community in separating themselves from Atlantis. Cause I know Atlantis was Submariners 
world and also separating themselves from Aquaman, which was, you know, DC's world. They didn't want to confuse people or confuse the audience. Why are there, why are there two types of Aquaman in this right. superhero cinematic world that we're in right now? I thought they did a fantastic job. They also capitalized on a market like the, like the Latin market to really focus on them because we, there's no representation right now for mm-hmm. a very long time for them. So I think this is a huge aspect. I think they got two communities right now that are huge in the world of the MCU. And they, they really, again, this is Ryan Coogler putting in motion a future that we get to see more of this representation. We had women res- representation. We had um, cultural representation as well as a political thriller, as well as new enemies. It's like, there's so much that we can add to this story that it's like, holy shit, this is, this is phenomenal. Like no one can really do this right now and come across it. And I think Ryan Coogler, because of where he comes from and the, the time period he was born in and understanding where the world is right now, he built a a beautiful world. Um, One thing that I, the last thing I want to talk about with this film, something that we have not touched on yet. um, Michael B. Jordan returns. And I think it's so incredible that we have Shuri who she has that wonderful speech with her mom, by the water right before Namor introduces herself where, you know, her mom wants her to burn her funeral clothes. It's been one year to the day since T'Challa passed away. And, you know, this is part of the, the grieving process. This is the final step in grieving that we're no longer grieving, no longer mourning. We burn our funeral clothes. And she says that if I start to think of him or if I do this, I'm not just going to burn my clothes. I'm going to burn the world down. And that really echoes where Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger was in the first film, where he just wanted to burn the world down. So I thought it was so fitting that Shuri, who is so full of rage and anger in this film, who shows up to her when she takes the heart-shaped herb? It's Killmonger, which is pretty pretty substantial. Camille? Yeah, I I mean, firstly, Ryan, round of applause for (laughs) bringing in what the fans... Because... after we learned about what happened with Chadwick, there was this huge discussion with fans of do we, you know, the decision was from the MCU, they're not going to recast the Black Panther. Fans were kind of upset because of what that mantle stands for, right? Um, in the community and what that movie has done uh, for the Black community. So discussions of who would be the next Black Panther. And we loved Michael B. Jordan's performance in the first film. And that... I. I completely forgot that I wanted to see Michael B. Jordan because Ryan mm-hmm. just did an amazing job of getting you engaged with just what's happening on the screen. That when he appeared, I was like, oh, snap. Like they brought him back for this. And yes, he is so raged, Phil Dan. Like he is, he, it's interesting to learn that he has not learned, like, because we don't know what this what this like um what ancestral plane yes the ancestral plane what this means for the people in it right do they are they growing from when we pass like when we've seen them lastly when they were alive or is it a construct or is it a construct right because i really do feel like this is probably a construct because at the end of the black panther movie i would have thought that Killmonger was in a more settled place based on his discussion with the Black Panther um, when they're sitting up on that hill. So it kind of gave me the vibe that this is 
definitely a construct. And this is more of a killmonger that Shuri sees rather than if this was, you know, um, T'Challa still alive and he goes to the ancestral plane and sees Killmonger. He is not going to see this Killmonger. He's going to remember right. the Killmonger that he saw um, when he was like his last breaths. Right. Um, so it's very interesting that Shuri and probably the other people in Wakanda still see Killmonger in this light, um, which is unfortunate because I feel like at the end of Black Panther, we kind of got a little bit of a redemption from him. Right. And it's so cool when you see her like raising out of the water, she's wearing those funeral clothes yes. that she refused to burn while everything else is burning around her. Mm -hmm. um, and then she's leaving the water and then she's not wet at all. I'm like, Oh, that's such a cool look. But I was, I was, I was scared. I'm like, okay, like who is she going to see? And then obviously we get to pay off at the final battle that yes, you know, she did end up seeing her mom afterwards where she was kind of coming in and out and her mom saying like, show her, show him who you are. But I thought it was so profound for her to see Killmonger and to be kind of faced with that fear of like, am I going to give into my rage? And, you know, and he poses the question, are you going to be noble like your brother or are you going to get shit done like me? And I thought that was really cool. Uh, Shay, what do you think of that moment? I, I kind of just, I didn't expect it. Did I want to see this to happen? Absolutely. When it did happen, it was that, it was that shell shock of, well, kind of like what you guys said, are we going to see a progression in this character's you know, life? Or are, are they going to be smarter and wiser? And in some ways, I think Michael B. Jordan's you know, Killmonger was a little, you know, he did have some character progression in that moment. But how they actually paid it off was, was beautiful. I mean, I know that the second time we got to watch it, the, the crowd completely popped off for it. Like, it was one of the most insane moments. It was like Tobey Maguire showing up, you know, Andrew, Andrew Garfield showing up. This, was, this <laughs> yeah. was Michael B. Jordan, who, in my opinion, is still one of the best villains that we've gotten in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Not only because of how Killmonger is, but because of his performance. And in that short two-minute sequence, uh, you're immediately reminded why he's the best and why he's so damn good. And I hope this means that we maybe see him down the road again in some sort of ancestral plane sequence, because why not? I mean, Killmonger's a badass and Michael B. Jordan is not a bad person to look at. You know, I'll be honest. <laughs> He's not. I liked his look in this too. Yeah. He looked really cool in this. Yeah. Like, damn. I love the sweater. Yeah. It was very like knives out yeah. too, or knives out, you know, <laughs> down for it. Is that knit sweater? Yeah. Anthony, how about yourself? Yeah, it was very fitting to see him because up to that point, you know, we, we, we have Shuri who's lost, uh, her brother and as well as lost her mother. So there's a lot of like anger that she's gone through and there's a lot of grief and there's a lot of like stress on, on the heart. So I think she remembers, and I, you were talking about what plane, I think this is more of a construct of you, you physically, like your, your presence at that moment. So when you go into this other plane, it's what you really feel. And because she feels so angry and what she knows of, of, um, Michael B. Jordan. Killmonger. Yeah. Being a vengeful person. That's what she kind of relates to. She doesn't know that he wasn't, he, you know, he was kindness at heart at all, at the end, we'll say. So it's, um, it's really interesting that they chose it. I think Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan's fantastic as Killmonger. He, he brings a, a certain level of good guy, bad guy. I really empathize with your situation, but I can't let you do these things. And mm -hmm. I understand, you know, why he was chosen. Because if we saw the mother, it would have been too soon. I mean, right. clearly, clearly we're not going to see uh, her brother. So 
Ryan Thank God, yeah. Uh, not that they would do like a CG right. thing, but uh, yeah. So Brian being there, uh, Brian pulling um, Killmonger and making him her person for this situation worked so well and overcoming that at the end. That's true. I think Camille. it also speaks to, um, you know, we her burning that Garmin at the end. She wasn't ready to meet the new T'Challa. T'Challa right. Jr. Uh, she wasn't ready to meet him because it. I think this movie is also about not passing grief to to others that like not passing revenge. I guess it's not like grief, revenge to others because when you look at the movie, I'm gonna say it, but Queen Ramonda kind of did, and it did lead to a harder time for Wakanda. You know when she fired Okoye. Because uh, Shuri got lost, she was kind of going on a rampage and very much so, I understand, right? But as a leader, I don't, I think that clouded her judgment because she decided to go right to war um, with Namor and his people. And that obviously led to this rebellion and them coming back into Wakanda and all that stuff. And it, it spiraled out of hand. Shuri, if she she did kill Namora at that point, it would have spiraled even further and there might not have been a Wakanda to talk about right now, right? So right. I think it does, you know, Shuri was able to do something that her mother wasn't quite able to get out of. You know, her mother, it, it's interesting, like her mother was talking about handling grief and being able to kind of see the light and remember and live on that legacy. And even though she tried to do it, and she was doing it for that year, the loss of her or the thought loss of her daughter and being completely vulnerable and not having that family near her kind of led her back into a state that she found Shuri at, at the beginning of the movie. So it was really interesting how they kind of echoed these emotions through those two characters, a mother-daughter journey. I love that. Uh, one last thing that I, I did notice, and and it was I thought it was really cool. You know, I, I mentioned Iron Man two earlier. Um, similar sequence of like in Iron Man two, Iron Man or Tony trying to figure out like how can I save myself and you know create whatever um, metal or whatever like I guess element I need for my arc reactor. We get a very similar sequence with Shuri again trying to find whatever DNA sequence could work to you know, to recreate the heart-shaped herb. And it's actually Namor who, you know, unintentionally, maybe, I mean, maybe we'll find out later, is the one who gives her the bracelet that has the 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 vibranium-rich, like it was grown in vibranium-rich soils that she was able to look at and analyze, which ended up making her being able to recreate that. And it's really cool. There's a sequence where you see on Shuri's arm, she has like a DNA, like, like sequence on her arm a tattoo and you know shout out to new rock stars for this when i when i was uh, watching their breakdown but it's cool because like you see her holding the wearing the bracelet that namor gave her with the dna sequence i guess that she wasn't able to solve but together they show that it's like the complete dna and the complete kind of formula that she needs i'm like damn that's such like clever just you know use of like her tattoo and then the prop of the bracelet i thought that was really cool do we think she's a mutant now that's my question because if she oh. got this uh this from Namor and we know that he is a mutant it was this plant we still don't understand fully what happens 
to make you to classify you as a mutant in the MCU. But we know with Kamala Khan, she already had that DNA somewhere. And then it got triggered by the bracelets that she wore. Right. So I feel like maybe Shuri's a mutant now. I don't know. Is anyone that eats the uh, heart shaped fruit in the future potentially mutant? Because now this is the same strain. This is like uh, an evolution of that strain that Namor had. Right. Yeah, it's possible. There's so many ways it could go. And again, like it's it's sneaky how much this film like brings into it that we're we could dissect and go. Yeah. I think on for another hour about it. <laughs> uh, Camille, thank you so much for joining us on our discussion today. We've uh, we've spoken a lot about this movie, and I'm sure we could talk a lot more about it. Uh, but for the for the three of us, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, any other final thoughts on this film before we wrap up? I didn't expect them to kill Angela Bassett, man. That's it. That's my oh last my thing. god, yeah. yeah. Last thing I wanted to say, like, wow, this movie came for the one-two punch, and it left me floored. Yeah, it really did. A complete knockout. Watch, watch the movie, please, <laughs> please, please, please. Camille, where could uh, where can our audience find you if they want to follow you on Instagram, on Twitter, not in real life, just on social media, please? Uh, yeah, don't lurk in real life, but you could lurk online. Find me at this is Camco everywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much. And as always, you can catch a brand new episode of the movie podcast every single Monday and watch out throughout the week for reviews and interviews on all the latest movies and series. Later this week, we will have the cast of Mythic Quest joining us. We're talking about uh, season three and we'll have some reviews later for this uh, for everything coming out this week as well, too. So stay tuned for all of that. And of course, make sure you're following us at the movie podcast on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. Join us on YouTube and make sure you join our Discord. That was this time with the movie podcast and we'll see you next. Yeah.